Well, hello, White Sox fans. Welcome to another edition of White Sox Daily Live. And we all had a little bit of a shock, I'm sure, with the White Sox signing Andrew Benintendi, which, you know, after hearing that everything that was going to be of consequence was going to be via trade, it's a little bit uh, a little bit crazy. Uh, I'm here with my co-host, the Danny Miller. How you doing, Danny? Uh, well, you can call her me shocked and pleasantly surprised, uh, but I'm doing well. You know, uh, I was uh, not expecting a five-year deal for a guy who was a three-war plus player uh, anytime soon. So, you know, there's going to be that handful of contingent of White Sox fans that say, oh, I knew it was coming. <laughs> I told you. And you know what? You were right. I'll give you that. I uh, might have poo-pooed on that a little bit. Uh, didn't expect it to be five years. I thought there was a chance they maybe sign him for, you know, if he would take a shorter deal. But five for 75, wasn't expecting that. But anyways, I'm doing good, man. How about you? Can't complain. You know, um, pleasant surprise. Um, you know, we, we talked about Ben Intendi, uh, a couple of times in here and, you know, not one of those, uh, sexy signings, you know, Hey, pusher, how you doing? Good to see you. Um, good evening, sir. Yeah. I, you know, he's not, uh, you know, a, a power hitter, but he is a left-handed bat and he plays competent defense, uh, in left field and, you know, uh, despite that throw uh, against the White Sox this past year, uh, the uh, worm burner that he threw into home plate, um, you know, he, his uh, his metrics aren't all you know awful. Um, he's you know his speed is you know decent. It's not uh, anything earth shattering. You know, he's uh, slower than Engel and uh, Luis Robert. And uh, Hazley and Peyton, but other than those guys, he slots in as the uh, the fastest person to play an outfield position last year. So that's that's a that's a good thing. Um, yeah, I mean, we we talked about this, uh, you know, privately uh, in uh, text messages and whatever, and you know, it's just one of those things that you know I'm not jumping up and down about it, but uh, you know, it's nice to see the White Sox operating like a baseball team and not crying poor uh, in the third market in Major League yeah. Baseball. Yeah. Yeah, there's a little something to be said about that. And, you know, I, we've pretty much already said it. But, uh, you know, it, it's it's nice to see at least a little something happening when we were told not to expect anything you know, of that sort. Is it the, you know, it's not the $300 million contract, which is fine. Totally fine by me. I don't want to, you know, I, there's a couple of those contracts I probably would, uh, would bite on. There's a handful of them. I wouldn't even touch. And then there's those ones in between where you go, eh, you know, maybe, but, uh, the richest contract in white Sox history goes to a guy who is more solid than anything we've had in left field in a while. And it definitely fills a hole from outside of the organization, which we haven't seen a whole lot of, or at least competently fills a hole. 
from outside the organization, which we haven't seen a lot of in in a while. Um, at least as far as position players go. Anyway. So, uh, yeah, you know, you were talking about his, you know, his metrics don't really jump off the page, but they're not bad either. You know, he's the kind of guy, you know, we talk about speed. He, he doesn't necessarily have the best speed in the world, but he's the type of player that takes good routes and he gets a good jump on the ball, gets good read off the bat. Um, that's a big plus for the White Sox because we've seen a handful of outfielders on this team that don't have any of that. You know, we have watched the last two seasons, the two, two of the worst and actually the worst rated starting outfielders in all of baseball the last two seasons in Andrew Vaughn and Gavin Sheets. And, you know, not to take anything away from what those guys have done offensively, uh, you know, Sheets' numbers don't jump off the page per se, but he has come through in some clutch situations. Uh, Andrew Vaughn took a big step forward with his uh, offense last year, and we're kind of hoping that he does that again this year now that he's you know, comfortably in his own position. But again, neither, neither one of those guys are outfielders. So, you know, again, pleasantly surprised. Happy to see something happening. And, you know, um, if they shocked us this way, who's to say maybe they don't shock us with another move before the season's over? I don't know. What are you thinking, man? You know, it's a distinct possibility. You know, you, you think about the fact that it's been, the message has been, that they weren't going to be spending money and you know i you know the the budget from last year you know we were told that it would be somewhere around that so they are right around that right now still with some holes to patch so you know i i kind of have the feeling that they don't want to deal from within you know the top prospects of their system right um now whether that is, uh, you know, reality or not, I don't know. Um, you know, they if they manage to, uh, you know, I, one of the ones that I saw making the rounds today was, uh, you know, Larry Garcia on his way out and McCann coming back, which, you know, that's kind of that's kind of a weird one. But um, you know, saw that uh, there was maybe some interest in. Uh, you know, another outfielder and, you know, I don't, you know, who knows? It, it's kind of one of those things that, you know, they, they have prided themselves on the, uh, hashtag under the radar thing, you know, where they don't want to let anybody know their intentions and, you know, some White Sox fan ruined a trade with a tweet and blah, 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 you know, so they don't let things go out, you know, over the airwaves anywhere. And that, that's fine. Um, but, uh, you know, the thing that we do know is that unless they plan on going to, you know, into opening day with a internal solution for second base, there's probably going to be some sort of a move made. And we'll find out what it is. You know, I, I think uh, with Dansby Swanson signing across town um, that we're looking at, uh, you know, Elvis Andrus's market kind of uh, – getting a little kick in the seat of the pants. So, you know, anybody that's out there still looking for somebody might take a chance on him uh, for shortstop. You know, I know some people were wanting to get him back and getting him to play second base, but, you know, who knows what his, you know, what his motivation is to play second base, you know, no idea. 
So uh, there's there's a bunch of things going on that it's just we have to wait and see. And you know we're not we haven't even hit Christmas yet, and all of the marquee free agents are all signed. I don't think this has ever happened before, ever. Yeah, I don't remember that. At least not any time recently. Uh, you know, honestly, to, to think back, I don't remember that ever happening ever. Um, you know, there's usually a few holdouts going all the way into like you know March, and we're getting close to spring training or even into spring training. You know, every now and again, where there's a big name out on the board there that. You know, there's a bidding war going on behind the scenes, and you'll you'll get snippets here and there. You'll get a tweet from one of the you know, the guys from uh, MLB Network or the Athletic or something. They're either you know tossing little breadcrumbs out there to let you know what's going on, but nobody really knows what's happening. We're not going to see a whole lot of that this season, and it's not like you said; it's not even the end of December yet. We're, you know, we still got a few way few days away from Christmas here, and you know, we're already talking about the second tier. Uh, of players and what's left available for these teams that got left in the cold, especially in the shortstop market, like you mentioned, um, two years in a row where the shortstop market was big, really, really big. You know, uh, Correa twice in the last two seasons. You know, signs a one-year deal last year, or signs you know a deal with an opt-out. Of course, he's going to opt out. You know, and then goes back out in the market and he gets himself paid. Uh, yeah, uh, it's it's shocking to see that. Now, I think if Rick Hahn was serious about, you know, waiting for the dust to settle and the trade market to kind of open itself up, this might be the time that we start hearing more and more about that. Because there are teams out there that are still looking for, you know, better than what's available on the market. So, yeah, um, you know, which brings me actually to an interesting idea that I heard floated, you know, kind of in a private conversation. And, you know, we've talked a little about trading maybe Tim Anderson on this show a few times. And I get everybody's hesitation on wanting to do so. I mean, the guy's been kind of the cornerstone aside from Jose Abreu. Uh, You know, he's got that, that fire, you know, the, the kind of thing that can drive a team when it's going well. But if he's not going well, the kind of thing they can, you know, send them in the tank too. But with all of the top four major shortstops signed right now, do you feel like that can drive up the trade market for Tim Anderson, especially seeing what these guys have been paid? I mean, Dansby Swanson just signed with the Northsiders signed a huge deal and I mean honestly has only really had one good season in his career which was last year so you know he did it at the right time obviously in a contract here but uh, he signed big dollars Tim Anderson's got a track record of being an offensive threat for the last three or four seasons you know being in the top you know three four five hitters batting average wise and uh, you know he, he puts up numbers his, his his defense leaves a little bit to be desired every now and again, but he's still a solid defender. What do you think about a trade market that includes Tim Anderson, and what kind of uh, value do you think you have that he has in return after seeing what these uh, other shortstops have signed for recently? Well, I mean, you know, the 
the thing about it that you have to look forward to is that either A, you're going to have to try and extend him, which I seriously doubt he's going to take an extension at this point, uh, given his age and with the way that the market's going and with the White Sox you know, generally trying to keep costs way down. Um, they do have a bunch of money coming off of the payroll over the next couple of seasons, but to me it seems unlikely that he would even sign an extension unless it was like a six-year extension, and I don't see the White Sox doing that, uh, given the fact that he hasn't managed to stay healthy really over the last, what, three or four seasons. And right. um, it just doesn't seem like a, a a very likely, you know, if I was going to choose one guy out of this group that I was going to extend, I mean, we've seen, you know, batting championship from him and we've seen uh, sustained success from him uh, as far as that stuff goes. Um I just don't know if it's the kind of thing that you know that they're going to want to extend out on with a very I mean because if he if you if you're signing him for an extension for 6 years uh which is probably around what he's going to ask for um you're probably looking at like 150 million dollars minimum you know and uh I would be pretty shocked if the White Sox did that. I'm not saying that they won't, but it just doesn't seem, you know, if you're if you're choosing a guy to extend, it, it doesn't seem to me that they would go that direction with a guy who hits for a high batting average, doesn't take any walks, and uh, doesn't stay very healthy either. You know, I, right. You know, neither do any of the other guys stay, you know, in the stay healthy side of things. But, uh, you know, at least there's some power there to make up for that. Uh, you know, at least you hope. Right, right. You know, a perceived power, I guess you could say, because, you know, so far the, the results have been a little less than, you know, less than everybody had hoped. You know, when dreaming upon this uh, dynasty that was being built on the South Side. And, um, you know, I just. I hate that word, by the y- way. Yeah, of God, course. I hate that yeah, word. It's, it's, it's ridiculous <laughs> because, uh, you know, these days the only way that you generally get that is by spending tons and tons of money and locking up your yeah. best players and then going out and getting a couple of some other team's best players as well. And then. Uh, Continue to do that, you know, so you can uh, prolong the amount of contention that your team's going to be in, which, you know, I don't see be being done here. Um, but to answer, you know, to answer the question, the, the extension part of it and uh, that stuff, I don't know. I kind of I kind of doubt, um, you know, right now he's on a on a very team friendly contract and um you know, range for a shortstop and, you know, for middle infielder in general, range is going to be at a premium now with the, the, the the lockdown on the shift. So uh, I think that that improves his market a little bit more uh, because his range is generally very good and his gloves usually also really good. The issue is, is with the throws for the most part. 
Right. Um, so, I mean, I think that you could definitely get some, some good value. I mean, what that value is going to be, who knows? I mean, the, the way the, uh, <coughs> excuse me, the way that the, you know, the trade market has gone, it's very bizarre. You know, you see, uh, you know, trade deadline deals where guy, you know, teams are getting like three or four, you know, very young top of the line prospects. And, you know, that's, you know, again, we've talked about this before, uh, as far as, uh, system rankings go, but, uh, you know, the evaluators love to dream on young talent's potential and how much, you know, a guy's going to fill in and how much more power he's going to get and all this stuff. So these prospects end up, you know, having a, you know, a, a much higher ranking attached to them than you'll likely see results. Um, yeah. So we know we've said it before. Prospects are suspects. Yeah. So there's that, you know, the whole reason I bring this up too is, you know, and you mentioned part of it with Tim Anderson being on a, a team friendly deal. I, I mean, really friendly in comparison to what we've seen signed just in the, in the four that have been signed this off season. Uh, he's got two years of control. He's extremely team friendly deal. And I don't see the market for shortstops being what it was these past two seasons in the next season or two. So, and I, and I mean the, you know, the value of talent being available. So these teams that are in search of a top end shortstop, I would think are going to have to pay a premium to get one. Now, does that mean Tim Anderson gets a premium in return? Like you said, there has been a little bit of injury history there, but it, I, you know, and again, I, I hate to say that, you know, I I, I don't want to say that I don't want to see him here because I do enjoy watching him play baseball, and you know, he has been an awesome talent for the White Sox, and he's he's been one of the few bright spots when he is healthy. But I have to look at what the return could possibly be in the market right now and what it might end up being later on. Uh, you know, if he doesn't have the best first half this year, his value could drop, you know, and if you're looking to make that push, say at the, the trade deadline and you need to give up something of value to get something in return, he doesn't have that best, you know, I, I, it's just not going to be beneficial for the Sox. And again, if he's not going to be extended, then his value is never going to be higher than it is right now. Even coming off, uh, you know, season, I think, uh, you know, a lot of fans are going to have a hard time if we do part with them. But if you can get near MLB ready talent, or you know, maybe even a guy who is already a proven player. You know, depending on what that hole or position you're trying to fill with with Tim is, uh, you know, you almost you have to entertain that. And Raycon coming out and saying we are not training Tim Anderson this year, I kind of almost feel like it has to be smoke and mirrors. You're waiting to see what that market's going to do, and that market blew up. And now that that market blew up, you know, this might be the whole thing. What he was talking about, waiting for the dust to settle, because you know he knew that this was going to be probably the biggest part of the market was the handful of top tier pitchers and the handful of top tier shortstops that were going to go. And once they're gone, 
things are going to open up. So I don't know. Uh, that was the the conversation I had. Somebody floated that out to me, and I said, ah, you know, it kind of makes sense. But at the same time, you know, uh, we've been told to not expect that. So it was just a thought. Yeah, I mean, uh, if you can get I, if you can get that to top it. end, if you can get a top end second baseman out of the deal, and then maybe bring up one of these, you know, and again, we like I just said it, prospects are suspects, but we do have a handful of guys who can play shortstop in the minor leagues. Uh, are the bats at the place where Tim Anderson's is? Probably not. You know, and that remains to be seen. We haven't seen it yet. Can these guys play some defensive baseball? There's we have we do have some pretty slick defenders down there that could come up and fill that hole. So uh, it's something that the White Sox front office is going to have to, you know, kind of weigh uh, the options on and, and really, you know, take that time to decide if that's going to be something that's going to benefit the team more than hurt the team. But, you know, it was just a thought. Yeah, my thoughts would is that it would be Sosa or Romy Gonzalez that were getting that crack at shortstop. Um, I mean, you know, again, we have no idea what we'd be getting in return. And, uh, you know, when your team's in the middle of their contention windows, that, you know, unless you're doing what is overall best for the team, it doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense to trade either TA or Liam Hendricks. Right. Uh, assuming, that, assuming that your payroll is you know, at least somewhat fluid and that, you know, he might get some additional monies, uh, you know, say the, the uh, trade deadline starts looming um, that, you know, maybe there's some additional money that's put in the, uh, you know, in the fund to get whatever it is that you need to get. Um, but, you know, we'll see what happens. Uh, it's, you know, it, you know, sitting here and talking about uh, who's going to get traded where for who is it's like a pointless endeavor. We never know, you know, somebody that we're completely not thinking about is usually who ends up getting traded and you end up getting things that you had no idea, you know, that they were even right. thinking about doing. So, you know, right. But and that uh, was kind of my uh, my answer when this was brought to me, too, was, you know, I can I can see why folks are saying, you know, that maybe trading uh, Tim is a good idea, but it's also a kind of a, a thing of going with the devil, you know, instead of the one you don't, uh, you know what you've got in Tim and it's solid. So, you know, maybe going in a different direction, you might end up hurting yourself. And even if it looks on paper, like you're, you know, doing what's best for the organization. It could come back to bite you, especially if you're the White Sox, because it seems like our talent evaluators kind of swing and a miss quite a bit, you know, and and they're really good at getting us excited about some of those moves because, you know, like I said, on paper, some of the moves in the past have looked fantastic. And then they get here, and I don't know if it's the coaching staff or – you know, the media room or, you know, lack of analytics uh, in the organization. Guys seem to go from good to bad o- almost overnight quite often when they come here. So, you know, uh, again, it's just kind of a wait and see type of thing. Well, you know. Yeah, that was the that was my whole thought on the uh, Joey DeGaio thing 
you know, I, I didn't want Joey DeGaio because, you know, you're hoping for a bounce back to what he used to be. And the thing is, we've seen so many guys who have come in where they've looked pretty good elsewhere and then they go bad. And, you know, we're starting off with, you know, if he comes in, we're starting off with a guy who's already bad and expecting him to get better, which, uh, <laughs> you know, We've had a couple of guys who have shown signs of life after coming here. I'll, uh, uh, Elvis Andrus last year, uh, you know, I would say Brian Goodwin played above his uh, pay grade, you know, at least for, for a, quite a while. And then, uh, you know, Billy Hamilton seemed to refine his, uh, his vigor for for baseball while he was here in his first stint, and now we have a uh, Billy Hamilton back on the roster, so that is a pleasant development. It's always good to see Billy on a roster, you know, our roster anyway. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I, the, the the general consensus is is he was a great clubhouse guy, and maybe that's something this team could use a little shot in the arm in in that department. You know, we saw how flat they looked last season, you know, whether or not he makes it away from the minor leagues, being that it was just a, uh, a minor league contract with an invite to spring training, you know, still remains to be seen. Uh, as it looks right now, this team could be searching for a fourth outfielder. So there's a chance that maybe Billy Hamilton does make the roster. Uh, you know, we, it depends on what other moves are made uh, between now and, and the start of the season, but, yeah, he's one of those guys that he could bring a little bit of uh, joy to this team. He's one of those. He's just he's always smiling. Always looks like he's having a good time. So yeah, I don't I don't see that as a bad thing. Yeah, no, I it's a, you know, regardless of where Billy ends up, uh, I don't see it being a negative in any way, shape, or form. Because if he's in Charlotte, uh, you know, great mentor and uh, great clubhouse guy. And, uh, you know, hopefully he can teach some of those guys down there how to run bases. And then if he's up with the Sox, then, you know, you've got a great defensive sub and, uh, you got a, a guy that you can throw in on the base pass and with the pickoff rules and the enlarged, uh, bags, yeah, the oversized bases now, you know, he's going to, you know, he gets that extra, you know, couple of inches closer to his hands right from the get go. And, uh, you know, it's, yeah, some folks could say he's lost a step. Well, they gave him that step yeah, back. Yes, they did. With the bigger bag. So, yeah. yeah, he could still be dangerous out there. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm I'm looking forward <laughs> to uh, to what this outfield's going to look like. I mean, you know, we have, you know, assumed, uh, along with a lot of other people, that Colas is going to end up being the right fielder for your 2023 White Sox. Um, but we'll yeah, see. Yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure we can just pencil him in right now, honestly. I'd say that that's a, a fair uh, conclusion to come to, um, but you know, you never know. I mean, maybe uh, maybe they go out and grab some, you know, somebody with some possible upside. Um, but then again, that that kind of thing costs uh, costs money, and we'll see if they want to part with any of that money. Yeah, for yeah, a, agreed possible bounce back candidate. I don't know how much money you want to be throwing at somebody and you know, you're not going to get a Conforto 
Uh, you know, it's been rumored today that Adam Duvall is one of the guys that they've been looking at and, uh, <clears throat> pardon me. Yeah. Yeah. There's a handful of, uh, outfielders that have come up in trade talks. Uh, Alec Thomas is one of them. Uh, I don't know. There's a few guys out there that seem to be swirling in rumors, but you know, if they're going to spend any more money this off season, I'd almost rather them fill a hole that we know is a hole, an actual hole. And so that we we're not, you know, we're not watching Leary Garcia start at second base every day. Uh, yeah. If Oscar Colas, Oscar Colas as a defender is something we know is solid. You know, that's, that's not one of those things you worry about translating between, you know, double A, triple A and the major leagues defense usually sticks with you pretty well. Uh, and you know, the guy's got a cannon for an arm. That's not going away and he can hit a cutoff, man. He can hit a base. He's accurate. He takes good routes. He's got all those things. The only thing you're really worried about with Colas is, is the bat going to translate? And, you know, the thing is, is his time in Japan, you can almost say was like somewhere between double A and triple A kind of talent that he was playing against. And, you know, so if even though he only played seven games in triple A, chances are he's pretty close to being ready anyway. You know, I know a lot of folks are saying, well, he only played seven games in triple A. He did. But, you know, the time that he spent in the minors here was more to get him acclimated from moving from overseas to over here and getting all this stuff together and the, you know, the taxes and the whole nine yards. Uh, I think he's pretty, he's probably pretty close to majorly ready, if not majorly ready. So I'd much rather see them go out and spend that money on a second baseman than try to get another outfielder. You know, we've, we've signed Billy Hamilton. If you need a fourth outfielder, there you go. And if Colos, doesn't pan out well you know you can go back and forth you can platoon him with with billy for a while and until oscar gets his stuff together i don't know or you know you can go another route there's a handful of outfielders in this organization you know a yoannis or uh yoelki sorry uh half brother of yoannis there's there's a there's a couple guys in the organization that might be able to step in and fill that role again you know are we wanting to do this whole plug and play thing and see what works in a window of contention. No, not really, but you know, I think I would rather take my chances on Colas and spend money on second than try to go get another outfielder after signing Andrew Benintendi to the richest contract in Sox history. Yeah, I agree with that. Um I'd 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 like to see a uh I'd like to see a second baseman before I saw another outfielder. And I and I'm not just talking, you know, just a a stopgap, you know, not even, I guess, not necessarily a stopgap because ultimately I'm hoping that whoever they do sign it's for second base is a stopgap unless they get top-tier talent, which I don't see happening. So, um, yeah, we'll see. You know, we'll see uh, the, the whole, you know, like I said, the trade market's so, you know, unpredictable as it is. So I, I don't really – you know, if they go out and they spend actually spend some money on, you know, say a Gene Segura, you know, like which I've heard, would, you know, there's there's like three for twelve, four for sixteen, might get it done 
you know, he is what 32 or 33 or however old he is. He's a couple years older than, you know, most guys you'd want to take a look at, but yeah, I he's think he made the- uh, 8 million per for the last couple of years. And, uh, you know, his, uh, his numbers weren't exactly 8 million yeah. numbers. Um, but his his play in the playoffs and in the World Series was generally pretty stinking good and pretty clutch. Yeah, he was clutch for the Phillies. So, you know, that might have earned him a little bit extra money. We'll see. See what happens. I mean, I'm a, you know, if they're not going to spend any more money in this offseason, I'm you know, I'm fine with going to opening day with uh Lenin Sosa at second base. Uh, or Romy Gonzalez. Um, what do you think about Jake Berger taking reps over here last season? <laughs> I I love. <laughs> I had to ask the question. I man, love Jake because I've seen it. I've uh, seen it out there. <laughs> yeah, a great great guy. Um, the the unfortunate thing for him though is he just you know he does not have that quickness. He does not have the range that you're going to need with no shift. You know, um, right. I just don't think that he's got the 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 skill set to be able to do that. I mean, we've seen him play third base, and I would not get rid of Yoan Mankata, even though Jake Berger's bat looked significantly better last year uh, when not having broken bones in his hand and wrist, and. Right. Um, you know, but his glove leaves so much, de- you know, to be desired that I would rather keep Yoan there because his his glove is very good. I mean, he's he's you know he'll have a lapse here and there, but uh, you know, comparatively, his glove's so much better. Uh, speaking of uh, broken hamate bones, um, that's one thing that the uh, that a lot of people have forgotten about was that. Andrew Benintendi got injured in the last like th- month of the season ish. Yeah. Uh yeah. ended up breaking the uh hook of the hamate in his uh in his right hand and you know it's his lead hand on his swing and uh it's the the hook is a little triangular shaped bone uh right above your wrist. Uh, and below the uh, oh, what is it? The, uh, below the hamate's uh, bone, and uh, yeah, that is yeah, it's it's a connective bone, and he had to have surgery. So we'll see how you know how uh, how that works out, and how long it takes him to get back to um, you know, playing yeah, shape, game readiness. Yeah, I yeah. don't I don't expect him to not be able to hit. But I will say this, um, you know, one of the things that uh, it was, uh, what's uh, Keith Law said that the White Sox were hinging this contract and and giving him fifteen million a year on the hopes that they could unlock some sort of power out of his bat, and uh, we've seen how a broken wrist or a hamate. You know what that does. You know how how that saps somebody's power. So I wouldn't yeah. be expecting. Ask Mike or Adolfo. Yeah, I wouldn't be <laughs> expecting a whole lot of the power for the first couple of months of the season. I think it's going to be one of those things. that's going to take him some time to get back. 
to feeling a hundred percent with that wrist and hand area and his power is going to suffer. I mean, it doesn't mean that he's still not going to hit 300. Um, if right. you, he's definitely going to be able to swing, but that is one of those injuries where the soreness tends to linger a little bit. Uh, they don't usually worry about you doing damage to it again. So he'll probably get a green light, you know, fairly early to get back out and get into, you know, full baseball activities. But that doesn't mean he's going to feel good. That soreness lingers for some time. Mike Rodolfo talked about it when he had his hamate, and it screwed with his confidence. You know, that was a big thing that, you know, a lot of folks talked about with him was he needed to regain his confidence. And we saw it. There was a guy who was hitting monster shot after monster shot after monster shot and had some of the biggest power potential out of all the White Sox prospects during the early stages of the rebuild. And, you know, we watched that all go away after that hamate was broken. So you kind of got to hope that uh, his uh, strength of character is going to be enough to uh, overcome the confidence issue that might come with that. Uh, Maybe this new uh, training staff will be able to uh, help with that. But uh, I still expect him to, uh, you know, he's, he's a good solid contact guy. Those guys typically uh, recover from that kind of thing pr- rather quickly. If they, if you know you can make good bat to ball, you know chances are you're gonna feel pretty good about you know what you're doing out there. Yeah, uh, if you look at uh, Ben Intendi's numbers from last year, uh, basically would have been you know tied in batting average with uh, Jose Abreu. And uh, I think five points below an on-base percentage from Jose Abreu. So the thing is, is that he's going to he's going to be on base, and he's gonna he's gonna get hits. But the you know the unfortunate thing is that Jose Abreu was a lot closer to Andrew Benintendi last year than he was to Jose Abreu. Right. So, right. Um, and Jose Jose Abreu even on a down season still had eighteen yeah. bombs and. Uh, Andrew Benintendi, I think, had what, like six? Five, I you think. Know, he, uh, yeah, he averages between like six and nine, uh, you know, year over year. Yeah. Uh, something like that. I'm not, Without looking at the numbers, I know it's not a lot. Uh, he may have eclipsed 10 once or twice in his career. Yeah, I, he I'm had really 21 sure. year with Boston. And since then, it's been, you know, kind of. I think in another year we had like 14, but usually it's like. Be- probably around eight or nine. So, you know, the thing is, is Pedro Grafal knows him from his years with the uh, Royals, you know, and Benny gets traded over uh, at the deadline to the Yankees and kind of falls off a little bit when he goes over there, which, you know, is not uncommon actually to happen to a guy, especially, you know, guys who are in the early stages of their career. Only got a handful of, uh, you know, major league seasons under their belt because let's be honest, that's one of the toughest places to play as far as fans go, uh, critics go. You know, there you could say that about a lot of uh, fan bases, but Yankees fans typically will turn on a guy rather quickly, uh, and the media will turn on, you know, the local media in New York will turn on the guy rather quickly. It's probably a lot to uh, kind of undertake in a midseason move. I don't really expect to see that kind of thing from him here. He's going to get acclimated. He's going to have time to, uh, you know, get the feels for this team. So, you know, it is what it is. Uh, 
I'm keeping my fingers crossed. But regardless, if you look at the outfield of Andrew Benintendi, uh, we already know that, you know, Luis Robert is our center fielder for years to come. And uh, as long as he stays healthy, looks like he could be a superstar. And then you bring in Oscar Colas, who we just talked about a little while ago, being a solid defender out there with a cannon for an arm. This is going to be the first outfield that we have seen that is a complete outfield in many, many moons. So long. And that alone, we're gonna they're they're gonna net a positive defenses run saved for the first time and God knows how long. They, they've been years. a negative in DRS as a field yeah. for a long time. Yeah. That itself might get you two or three in the win column. You yeah. know? And maybe more. <laughs> I mean, just thinking about that, I mean, is is exciting. And you know, I mean, it's, it's such a low bar to set, but uh, I mean, I am very excited to actually see a real three-piece outfield. Right. You know? I mean, well, this is what we have been uh, we've been trained. This is how we've been trained to feel as White Sox fans. Ugh. You know what I mean? Like, we get a minor upgrade, and we're super excited about it. But... Again, you know, this was an 81 and 81 team last season. Now, when I say that'll get you maybe two, three wins just in defensive loan, it might get you more because, I mean, they were pretty awful, awful. in the outfield the last couple of seasons. Might get you four, five, six wins possibly, but that's even without the offense that comes along with it. You know, if we get any type of offense out of these guys, you might get more. So uh, am I saying they're going to be a 90, 91, 92 team, uh, 92 win team all of a sudden? Absolutely not. I'm not saying that. But do I expect them to be uh, much easier to watch defensively? 1,000%. I mean, this team was hard, hard to watch at times last year when you're watching them kick the ball around and miss play balls all over the place. And you got guys plodding through the outfield like Clydesdales that have no business being out there when you need a quarter horse chasing some of these balls down. So, you know, that in is, alone is going to be uh, at least an improvement on uh, viewability for this team. Yeah, uh, just the fact that you have Benintendi, who is a fundamentals guy. Right. You know, he's not particularly you know, flashy at any one aspect of his game. I mean, his OBP is pretty good. But, uh, you know, the uh, he's, he's not overly flashy at any particular tool set. But the thing is, is that he is consistent with his fundamentals and does the little things for the most right. part. You know, I mean, everybody makes mistakes. But, uh, you know, you will not be seeing what we saw in the outfield last year, hopefully on either corner, you know, regardless of who was out there for the White Sox, you know, whether it be AJ Pollock or Loy or Gavin Sheets or Andrew Vaughn or Leury or Adam Engel, you know, it's just between all of them. It's, it's, it was contagious for all of them. And, uh, you know, when one guy started, started bad, the whole rest of the, you know, the whole rest of the, outfield followed suit, you know, and oh, well, we, how many times did we see it where one error in an inning turned into three errors in an inning and that one, you no, know, that inning 
And how many times did it happen with two outs when you're thinking you're going to get out of the inning and then they give up five? Yep. And you're like, well, there goes that game. It's over because there was no recovering for that. Especially with no offense. Right. There was absolutely no recovery. It was like once that happened, those guys just seemed to get down on themselves and they couldn't pull themselves up. And, you know, we talked about uh, the, you know, the couple of seasons before last where this was a team that didn't give up. And they showed flashes of that last year. I'm not going to say they didn't. But for the most part, it just wasn't there. So, you know, you hope that uh, maybe a little bit of positive on the defensive side limits that whole thing and, uh, you know, can turn a negative into a positive really quickly. The other thing I want to say about Benintendi real fast is, you know, we talk about his batting average is right around, you know, 280 career wise somewhere. I think it's 279 if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Uh, but the big thing is, and I know we talk about batting average not being the best uh, indicator of a hitter's skills these days, you know, with all the advanced analytics and everything that, you know, is publicly known. But, uh, you know, one of the things that we like to talk about here is WRC and WRC+. And he is typically, you know, 9, 10, 12, 15 points higher than league average. Part of that is because, like you said, he's got a high OB. He's an IOPP guy. Uh, He doesn't strike out a lot. He does take walks. He doesn't hit the dingers. He's had some seasons where he looks like a doubles machine where he's out there hitting 50 doubles in a season. He's taking extra bases. You know, all big things, you know, for this White Sox team. We watched that, you know, station-to-station show last year where they were just hitting single after single after single. It'd be nice to see a couple of guys on this team that can stretch one into, you know, two and three baggers. So, again, these are all positives. So uh, are you saying that you that you do want Nick Madrigal back? That's a big no. <laughs> I want a guy, you know, we talk about injury history on the team, and, I, you know, unfortunately, yeah, he can stretch a double or he can stretch a single into a double and then get, you know, fall on his face going to third trying to turn it into a triple. Yeah, and there goes or the get hamstring. Hung up, yeah, get hung up between the bags, you know, because he he thought he was 6'5 when he's, you know, 5'6". Yeah, and you know he thought he had legs that were gonna you know stretch halfway across the field, and it's just not gonna happen. Uh, I can't blame the guy for trying, but uh, you got to know your place and you got to know your time. And unfortunately, that's something. Even since leaving the White Sox, he hasn't seemed to learn. Nope, that is that is for sure. Um, you got anything else this week? I mean, there's not really a whole lot other than the uh, the Benintendi signing. No, uh, you know, we'll, uh, I, the only thing I can th- say is we'll keep an eye on the rumors. You know, they're swirling. Some of them I think are absolutely ridiculous and I don't know where they come from, but you know, again, we've been surprised a couple of times this off season already with Mike Clevenger and, uh, Benny. So, uh, you know, you never know. We'll see. Uh, I do want to bring this up. Actually. Have you heard the recent rumor? The most recent rumor about uh, Leori Garcia coming oh, yeah. up and McCann. trade talks. Yeah, yeah. Have you heard these things? Yeah. I Can heard. you see anyone taking on the rest of Leori's contract, especially after this past season? Uh, if it's to get rid of a ten million dollar a year catcher who you are very disappointed with, maybe. But I tell you what, you'd have to eat some of that 
eat some of that uh, eat some of that money. You know, either that or send a prospect. You know, a fairly high rated prospect over for five million dollars a year in difference. It's uh, Leary for uh, James McCann to bring McCann back there, Rudels. And uh, to me, it seems like a bunch of horse feathers, but we'll see. <laughs> Sorry, I just wanted to bring it up. No, yeah, I, totally I had fine. a chuckle reading some of that stuff. Yeah, I mentioned it I, right off know. the bat, but yeah, it's, it's uh, no, I, I don't know. know. We'll, it's just... we'll see. I highly doubt it. But, you know, I have been known to uh, say – that's not going to happen. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And then, uh, I, you uh, know, I'm trying to remember which one it was about that I said that about. And I can't remember off the top of my head, but I was saying that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And then the White Sox did it. Oh, it was higher Tony LaRusa. Yeah, that's what it was. I was like, yeah, there's no way that's happening. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Why would I think we dedicated back? about yeah. a half a show to that when that rumor came out saying there's no way that's going to happen. And I think it was only like a day or two later. Yep. And yeah. we were like, what the foos? What are we doing over here? What just happened? Yeah. And yeah, old Bob Nightingale with the bat phone to Jerry's office. Oh, wow. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. He just came no, chugging really right in there and uh, derailed <laughs> the entire thing so um yeah so anywho uh yeah we'll see what happens this week um you know with uh the whole uh christmas thing happening on sunday uh i kind of doubt next monday is going to be a thing unless something you know unless something amazing happens which i'm kind of doubting um so we might end up uh going into january there you know yeah fine by uh, me uh you know I think we deserve a week off for the holidays here. We've been uh, we've been, been doing this for a long every time. week. Yeah, we've been doing this every week for about two years now. Yep. And uh, you know, the White Sox have shot us with some things, gave us some things to talk about. Now let's uh, let's let it stew. Let it let it all sink in. De-stress. We can all, yeah, we can all woosah a little bit. They they did some things to make some improvements. I know I was a, a very nasty critic at times, and uh, I'm not going to say I'm going to take all that back because no, you know, again, none of these are you. bangers of these are none of these are bangers of moves that are going to make me jump into a season ticket package right now. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, no, but and, um, uh, but you know what? At least I I bet that after Friday with the uh, Benintendi signing and with the Clevenger signing, that at least. The people who are talking about season tickets aren't getting yelled at when they call. Now the people are just like, yeah, I'm still waiting to see what happens. And, uh, you know, they've done a couple of things, you know, I'm thinking about it. Yeah, those conversations might be a little bit nicer Yeah, uh, these days. Maybe they might even be selling a few season ticket packages where they weren't selling them before. You know, I'm sure there's a lot of, you know, fans that were on the fence that, uh, have come over to the right side of the fence for the ticket department. So, you know, uh, All right, I won't be canceling my, uh, I won't be canceling my, my opening day party. No. This year. I, yeah. I will, I will go ahead and do that. There was a point at one time where I was like, I'm not even, I want to give these guys any of my hard earned yep, cash. That's fair enough. But uh, I will, I will give them the benefit of the doubt and at least do that. And then we'll see how the rest of the, 
the season goes. And, you know, maybe I'll jump on one of those old school Aussie plans or something that don't, don't exist anymore, but I'm sure they got, you know, partial season. Yeah. Plans. They got something else, you know, that cropped up, yeah. uh, at daily white Sox on Twitter, uh, white Sox daily dot substack dot com is the website where you can find this podcast. You can also find it on all of your podcast purveying platforms, uh, tomorrow morning. Um, there's a Facebook page. Uh, you can find us on YouTube. Let's just go ahead and search white Sox daily. Um, and uh, let's just thank you guys for coming and hanging out in the chat tonight. Uh, hopefully we got something uh, something awesome to talk about as the uh, new year approaches, but we'll see. Um, you know, in any case, at least the team is a little, you know, has a, a couple of little holes patched and uh, something that uh, I don't feel there's a giant gaping black hole in the depth chart or the lineup. So that is uh that is a plus. Um, so until yeah, we, we could have used some plaster, they, they use a little bit of spackle, but hey, spackle. It, it does, it's, it's doing the trick for now. Yeah. <laughs> it's at least, you know what? It's at least going to stop the pitchforks and, uh, torches showing up, uh, you know, on the doorstep of Jerry Reinsdorf for Christmas. Now, will it stop the billboards from going up outside the stadium? That, I don't know. I think that uh, I kind of doubt. I, I don't think anybody's getting a refund on that, uh, that GoFundMe page, but you nope. got to wonder if maybe they just donate all of it to charity. That was what was said, but I don't think that that is going to, uh, I do not think that they are going to relent on that goal of doing that. And I think that that's still going to happen. Just my two cents on that. Anywho. Well, that thing was started by Mr. Bennett Carroll. You and I were a part of a chat, a private chat with about, uh, I don't know, 10 other people or so that Bennett was part of. And we know how passionate he can be about those things. So I imagine uh, I don't blame he's him. probably going to follow through. I would think so. Um, all right. Well, until we meet again, folks, uh, thanks for coming in and checking us out. Uh, it's been White Sox Daily. My name is Ian Eskridge. For my co-host, the Danny Miller, you guys have a great night and have a wonderful holiday. And we will talk to you on the other side. Thanks. Bye.